it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast, And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, you guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Or welcome for the first time, you know. Sure. Yeah. Either way, welcome. Yeah. Whichever one. Yeah. Ever which one you want. Exactly. We got an unsolved one. Blech. It's a hard day for Tori. It is. We've already covered another case this morning on our mixtape. Um, it's unsolved as well. Not also a good day for Tori. Unsolved, yeah. Um, yeah. At least the doc jam we recorded this week is solved. So, Whew. exactly. Whew. All right. Should we? Should we get right on into it? I think we should. Let's just launch right into it. All right. I've said that in a while. I know. I'm trying to bring it back. So we do have a couple people to thank. Thank you to Destiny Graham, Jennifer Gallagher, Elena Cooksey, Sarah Jane, and Kelsey Celine for requesting this. Yes, thank you. Yes, and thank you to Madison for writing it up. Hey, girl, thanks. Yes, and we do have a couple trigger warnings. Um, drug use, heavy alcohol use, mm-hmm. and... I mean, obviously, this is about a missing person. So Right. And missing persons, if you are me, and that triggers you. Yeah. Unsolved cases. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So in the early morning hours of June 3rd, 2011, 20-year-old college sophomore Lauren Spearer disappeared off the face of the earth. After a night of heavy drinking and reported drug use, Lauren, extremely intoxicated, was said to have left a friend's apartment alone, barefoot and without any of her belongings, and began walking towards her apartment. She was never seen again, and her remains have never been located. Was Lauren a victim of opportunity, falling prey to a serial killer? Or were the, quote, friends she'd been with all night covering up Lauren's death, whether it had been intentional or accidental? Mm. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, you guys, before we get into today's case, we want to let you know that we have even more content on Patreon. And pay. oh, yeah. And Patreon is, uh, you know, where you get some bonus stuff from us. You throw us a couple bones. You keep the lights on over here. It's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Oh, yes. And tomorrow, our murder mixtape drops. We're covering the disappearance of Patrice Indress, which is actually covered on the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries series. And there's an element of a super creepy husband. Like, this mm-hmm. is the kind of creepy we're talking about, carrying her skull around. Yeah. But did he have anything to do with it? You know, that's a good question. Um, So you'll have to listen for all those deets. 
On Friday, we drop our second episode of Captive Audience, which is the second part of Stephen Stainer's story. And remember, he was abducted at seven years old. He heroically got away and went back to his family when he was 14. His family went through so much. But then what his brother goes on to do is bonkers and so much more than any one family should ever have to deal with. Yes. Oh my gosh, you guys are not ready. And of course, Sunday, we drop our weekly catch-up episode. We call it the T to the fourth power. Why? It's just some time to talk to you. We gab about life. It's not true crime related, but it's where you get some inside scoop into our lives. We just talk about whatever we feel like talking about. It's just a way to get to know us a little bit better. So that's the titty on Sunday. Exactly. So head to patreon.com slash killerqueenspod to join in on the fun. And if you want to be sure you never miss an episode, never miss what we have going on, please be sure to join our email list. Go to killerqueens.link slash email to join the list. You'll be the first to know about all of our fun stuff every single episode. And you get a 90s flashback. Ooh, I love that. But yes, let's get on to the case. Lauren Spear was born on January 17th, 1991 to Charlene and Robert Spear. She had a big sister named Rebecca. The family grew up in Scarsdale, New York, which in 2019 and 2020 was listed as the East Coast richest town. Now, what? You're going to say the same thing I'm going to say, I think. Yes. (laughs) Carl, you go ahead. The only thing I know about Scarsdale is that Ross and Rachel were going to raise their kids there, according to Ross, when they were dating. Yes, because of the school district, you know, it's exactly. Like, there are schools there. Yeah, you want to have you want to have the schools because he's like, yeah, and I, you know, I figure we'll have a couple kids. We'll move out to Scarsdale, and she's like, we're dating. Like, I don't think about Scarsdale. I don't want to move to Scarsdale. <laughs> he already picked out the name of his daughter Emily, and she's like, he's like, I read it in a book, and she's like, what book was it? Big book of names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Oh, Ross. Scarsdale, I know. Obviously, after other things happened, the name Emily is now off the table, but... Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. That was before, though. That was before. Yeah. Before they were on a break, even. I know. Yeah. So most of the published information about Lauren is regarding her disappearance. So honestly, there's very little information about her childhood, but her family continues to remind the public of how important she was and still is to them. On the Facebook page dedicated to finding Lauren, her family wrote, quote, we have an undying love for Lauren. Lauren is like a breath of fresh air. She is the bright spot in the day of those who knew her. Lauren would never give up. She would fight for answers. She would be the loudest voice. Mm. Lauren graduated from Edgemont High School in 2009 and was accepted to Indiana University in 2009, where she was studying textiles merchandising. Lauren loved helping others and even spent one of her spring breaks in Israel planting trees with the Jewish National Fund. She was small but mighty. She was only five feet tall and 90 pounds. She was athletic and outgoing, and she did not let her size keep her from having a huge impact on the people around her. Man. And though she be but little, she is fierce. Exactly. So Lauren was finishing up her sophomore year at Indiana University and working on her degree in textile merchandising when she went out for a night with friends. Rob and Charlene, Lauren's parents, felt comfortable with their daughter being at IU, despite the fact that the university constantly, nope, consistently ranks at the top 20 party schools of the U.S., the Spears felt like their daughter was in a safe atmosphere. I feel like UT Knoxville is on that list, too. It has to be on that list. I mean... Well, that's yeah. what you major in is partying. Exactly. Like, isn't that the school where all the boys are putting this the vodka soaked tampons up their bums? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> butt chugging vodka. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
But like that being said, I mean, I always felt safe. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it now, I'm like, why? What idiots? What were yes. we thinking? I know. Like, it's just the stuff that like, because Andrew went to school there. I would go visit him for the weekend, drunk the whole time from the moment I got there till the time I like left. And I would go out on the strip with like, you know, some friends or whatever. We'd go hang out. Sometimes the guys would go do something separate than the girls. And at some point I would like, what is it called? Like Irish goodbye them, like just leave because I'd be like, man, I'm tired. Like I'm too drunk. I'm tired. Like whatever. And I would just walk back to his apartment by myself. And he would ask Mm -hmm. me to wait so he could come walk with me. And I'm like, it's fine. It's like not that far. The amount of times I walked by myself at night from the bars at the strip to his apartment like anything could have happened, mm-hmm. but but you don't in, think about it when you're yeah when you're in party mode you're just like whatever I'm just gonna go here. Well, and I do think too. I I mean, of course, the party mode like you're definitely not in your right mind and not thinking with the best judgment skills, right? But also being in your early twenties, you're like, what could happen? Come on, exactly. Yeah, you just don't. You're just not thinking about that. Mm-mm. So Lauren was only 20 years old, but in a college town, it's not difficult for you to get alcohol. I mean, Mm-mm. it never is. Nobody, I've never had a problem. Anytime I've wanted to get drunk, I've been able to get drunk. Like, no problems. Right. You know, not not a problem anymore because I'm definitely way old, but then. on That's super old. Yeah, super old. On Thursday, June 2nd, 2011, Lauren had several friends over to her apartment to watch a basketball game and drink. Her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, was not at her apartment that night. He was at his place just north of campus watching the Knicks game. Lauren and Jesse had been dating for about three years at this point. They met at a summer sleepaway camp in Pennsylvania, which is like really adorable. Yeah. Um, Jesse said that Lauren told him she was planning on going to bed soon after the basketball game was over. And after they texted a little while longer, Jesse went to bed around 2.30 a.m. So at 12.30 a.m., Lauren left her apartment with her friend, David Roan, and witnesses said that Lauren was pretty intoxicated by this time. I keep saying intoxicated. Why can I not say this word? I don't know. I mean, you've proven to be not very smart at all. That's true. So So. that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah. She was intoxicated. They went to Lauren's friend, Jay Rosenbaum's townhouse about two blocks away. So there, Lauren meets up with Jay several of his friends, and his neighbor, Corey Rossman. So there's about 10 people at Jay's house. Lauren had met Corey a few days prior at the Indianapolis 500, and apparently Corey had made it clear to his friends that he didn't care that Lauren had a boyfriend. He really liked her. He was interested. He wants to date her. Hmm. And he was all, you know, they married, like, whatever. (laughs) According to witnesses, Lauren continued drinking alcohol at this party and possibly was using clonopin and cocaine. So clonopin is a benzodiazepine that is prescribed for anxiety and panic disorders as well as to control seizures. But I have definitely had friends who have offered me that before when we were out drinking and I never took it, but it's pretty, I feel like it's pretty popular. I have also been offered that along with other things like Adderall Mm -hmm. or once like a Xanax. And I was like, you know, no, Mm no. I think I'm going to stick with just the drinking. Yeah. I get very nervous about not knowing what I'm going to do or how I'm going to feel. Yeah. Something. So I'm like, not for me, dog, but you especially know. if you're out. Yeah. But like, it seems like clonopin, which is, it seems like a downer yes. and then cocaine together. I mean, that's an upper. So that kind of seems like a not great combination either. 
her poor ticker. My goodness. I know. But I mean, I guess there are plenty of people that, you know, can handle a lot of different things. So I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Corey and Lauren left Jay's apartment. They headed to a nearby bar, Kilroy's Sports Bar. Bars in Bloomington were open until 3 a.m., so college students typically pre-gamed at home until they went to the bars after midnight, which... God, I remember those days, but I, I am far How from did it. we do it? How did we do it? Like now, now if a movie, if we're going to watch a movie at home and we're not even going to start it till eight, I'm like eight. Um, that's a little late to be starting a movie. Don't you think <laughs> we should just wait till tomorrow when we can do it at six 30. Exactly. Well, and here's the thing. If I'm going to drink, which I don't mind drinking, I, I enjoy it. I mean, you know, it's fun. If I'm going to drink anymore, I have to start in the daytime, yeah. a little day drinking, and then I can taper off by like six and then I'll get a good night's sleep. Exactly. Otherwise, I ain't sleeping. Yeah. I just can't drink it all anymore because of my tummy issues. But if I did, I, I would have to be early for sure. Yeah. Like, I just can't even imagine. And I know, I mean, that's exactly how we used to be. We would pregame at somebody's apartment. In Knoxville, we'd go to, I forget the name of the bar now, but they had what they called Animal Hour. And it was from like nine to 10 where it was like a dollar shots or something crazy. We drink as much as we could there and then we'd go out. But there were plenty of times where I'm like, man, the bars aren't really hopping until like midnight. You know, if I am out at midnight, something got to be wrong with me. I do not stay out 10 Mm -hmm. o'clock. I am my somebody has pulled my power cord like I'm ready to go to sleep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when you're that young, when I was young, I used to get pissed when bars didn't stay up until three. Mm-hmm. And at three, when they would, you know, two forty-five or whatever, and they're doing last call, I'd be like, "Fuck, man, I'm not ready to go home. Like, I'm having a good time. Like, and if they turn the lights go on, somewhere, and you're like, no! yeah, let's go somewhere to somebody's house and like let's keep drinking or whatever." And now that I'm old, I'm like, "Why in the fuck is a bar open till three o'clock in the morning?" Well, nothing good, in my opinion, nothing good happens after. Honestly, after midnight. Well, yeah, and you're all you're doing is just continuing to drink into the wee hours of the morning. Like you're just piling on alcohol and alcohol and whatever else it is that you're doing. And I don't know. It just, yep, it just doesn't seem safe. I don't know. No, but I mean, you live and you learn, right? Yeah. 
So she uh, she also had a fake ID that she used to enter the bar. There is reportedly quite a bit of surveillance video footage of Lauren from that night, but it's unclear exactly what's available to the public and what footage has only been viewed by the police. And they've reported their findings to the public without releasing the footage. So they're just telling us what they've seen on it. Mm. Lauren and Corey were seen entering Kilroy's at 1.46 a.m. So now this is the early morning of Friday, June 3rd. While at Kilroy's, Lauren takes off her shoes to walk on the sand-covered patio. And when she left the bar at 2.27 and was walking with Corey to the Smallwood Plaza apartments where Lauren lived, she was still barefoot. So she ends up leaving her shoes and her cell phone at Kilroy's. Hmm. Accidentally. Yes. I have done that. I was going to say, I think... A lot of us have been there. Yeah. I mean, I can't even count how many times I would take my shoes off because my feet hurt so fucking bad from dancing all night. Well, yeah. It's like, and why do we wear the shoes that we wear or exactly. would wear yeah. to go out? Like not necessary, but it felt necessary at the time. And then I'd be like, oh my God, my feet, my like feet are hurting so bad. I'll just carry my shoes around. Well, and Torella, I know for a fact that you've taken your shoes off at one of the skankiest bars, <laughs> not there anymore. Thank God I didn't get a foot fungus. I know. It was like, it was carpet, first of all. Yeah, that's the first mistake. So many spilled beers. Yes. Just sticky. Yeah. Very Ooh. sticky. Yeah. But I mean, she this isn't sand, unusual. You know? At least in my experience, like, I don't know. It happens. I wonder how many shoes they end up with at the end of every night. I know, right? Like, because everybody leaves their debit cards, you know, when you start a tab. And you forget to tab out. Yep. All that stuff. At 2.30 a.m., witnesses saw Lori... Lori you put Lauren and Corey together. Did it sure did. Yeah. At 2.30 a.m., witnesses saw Lauren and Corey entering the apartment complex. Zach Oaks, a passerby, recalled that Lauren appeared extremely intoxicated. He, along with three of his friends, were concerned about how drunk she was. Zach, who was reportedly friends with Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse, asked Corey if Lauren was all right. And Corey responded, she's okay, I got it. Zach said that he then told Corey to take Lauren back to her apartment. Corey supposedly cursed at Zach, which started an altercation, and Zach ended up punching Corey in the face. So Corey fell to the floor and later told police that after he was hit, he lost his memory from the night. He doesn't remember anything else. Lauren did not go into her apartment at this time. You also see so many people in this one evening being like, she looks too drunk. Mm -hmm. She's not walking well by herself. She's falling down. She's tripping. She's hitting her head on stuff. Like, she is not doing okay, but instead of somebody taking over and taking her home, they're just like, I hope you make it okay. I mean, I feel like Zach intervened the most, Yeah, but still, he doesn't take her home. Like, Mm -mm. I don't know. I get that, like, handling other people is not your responsibility, but shit, if you see something like that, take her ass home. Yeah, And I think, I mean, he could have gone, if he knew them well enough to be like, hey, you need to get her home. Exactly. He could have called Jesse and been like, hey, where does she live if he didn't know? You know, I've... Right. I know there's been situations, like one of Andrew's friends one time forgot where the fuck he lived. And so he kind of wandered around an Uber for a while and then got dropped off and then fell asleep in a field. (laughs) I mean, maybe she, if she couldn't remember where she lived, like he could have called Jesse. Right. I don't know. Or taken her to his house and put her on the fucking couch. Like, yeah. There, there are a lot of things that could have been done that were not done. So. Yeah. Surveillance video shows Lauren stumbling inside the building and almost falling down. Corey helped her up and they walked out of the building. 
Shortly after, bystanders saw Lauren sitting down on concrete steps and she fell backwards and she hit her head on one of the steps. And apparently the noise of her head striking the concrete was so loud that the bystanders stopped to ask her if she was okay. Goodness, you know that was a hard hit. Uh, Yeah, and Corey's like, she's fine, I got it. Why are we trusting this person who who now says he doesn't have any memory of any of this happening because he's Mm -hmm. been hit in the head? Like, obviously y'all aren't okay together. You're both of you are not functioning properly at this point. Right. And I do think that, I mean, he had been drinking as well. So exactly. Yeah. She was witnessed falling two more times while walking to Corey's apartment complex. And again, like he may have had good intentions, you know, but it doesn't make any sense to me because they walked to her apartment complex. Why did they leave? You're already there. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they leave? Like, I don't, and I don't know, maybe she was like, I'm not ready to stop. And he's obviously not in a situation to be like, okay, he's like, okay, let's go back and drink some more or whatever. But if you see something like that and you see somebody that's like falling down, especially a female, like, You just don't know what situation this person is in. She could have been drugged and you don't know it. And this person is acting like he knows her. Like, you don't know what the situation is. Better safe than sorry. If it hurts Corey's feelings that you don't trust him tonight, that's fine. He'll live. Mm -hmm. And when he wakes up tomorrow morning, he'll be fine. And he might not have even remembered it. Yeah. But like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, get her to her apartment. Yeah. And she, you know, like, She fell two more times. I mean, this is not good. Yeah, the second fall, she fell and she hit her face on the ground. Yeah, she couldn't even get her hands up to protect her face. She needs to go home. Mm -hmm. She needs to go home. Sometime during this walk to Corey's, Lauren dropped her keys and her ID card. Mm. I mean, she's just dropping stuff left and right. Like, Yeah, and not in a position to have realized it and be like, oh, I need my stuff. Exactly. After this, there is reportedly surveillance video showing Corey carrying Lauren over his shoulder. I don't even know how he managed this with how drunk he was. Right. They entered an alley that runs between College Avenue and Morton Street, and there were security cameras that showed her coming out of the alley at 2.51 a.m. when she continued walking towards an open lot. And Lauren's keys and purse were later found in this alley. Hmm. Lauren and Corey arrived at Corey's apartment before, um, or where he, again, also extremely intoxicated, promptly vomited on the floor. And then he just went to bed. Michael Beth, Corey's roommate, was home and helped him to bed. And Michael said that after that, he tried to get Lauren to sleep over since she was so intoxicated, probably offering for her to stay on the couch or maybe he would, she could take his bed. He was even like, whatever. But he's trying to get her to stay there because she obviously doesn't need to be leaving on her own. Now, Corey is not going to be going anywhere with her. Michael said that Lauren insisted on returning to her own apartment. Why did he not walk her? Right. Walk her to her apartment. Right. But I mean, that would have been kind of, I'm not saying, okay, hear me out here. She's lost her keys at this point. She doesn't realize it though. Right. It kind of would have been a futile effort to get to the apartment anyway because she's not getting in there. Mm -hmm. Unless she had a roommate that I'm not aware of. Yeah. But yeah, and I I completely understand that sometimes in that situation when you're trying to wrangle somebody that clearly does not need to be leaving, Mm -hmm. when they are that intoxicated and they have it in their mind that they are going home, Mm -hmm. you cannot stop them. There is nothing you can do. Yeah, so just it, it was a close enough walk that they walked there. Walk her back, man. Yeah, yeah. 
or make her stay. I don't know. But yeah, if you can't do that, walk her back. It's three in the fucking morning. Don't let her walk to her apartment by herself. Right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. At 3.30, Michael called his neighbor and Lauren's friend, Jay Rosenbaum. And remember, this is the apartment that they had gone to earlier that evening. So Lauren leaves Michael's apartment and she goes to Jay's where he said that he saw a bruise under her eye and she said she didn't know how she got it. And this is probably when she fell and hit the concrete and couldn't guard her face, but she has no memory of what happened. Mm -hmm. Again, stop letting her go places. Right. Phone records showed two calls placed from Jay's phone just before she reportedly left. One was to her friend, David, who she'd been with um, after leaving her apartment earlier the previous night. And the other one was to another friend. Neither one picked up. Lauren did not leave any voicemails. 
at 4.30 a.m., which this is actually incredible, she had to memorize those phone numbers. She doesn't have her phone anymore. Right, yeah. At 4.30 a.m., Jay said that Lauren left his apartment on her own. And he says he last saw her at the intersection of 11th Street and College Avenue heading south on college. She was wearing black leggings, a white shirt, and was barefoot. Again, y'all are letting her fucking walk all over town with no shoes on. And you know she doesn't have a phone. And he says... He goes out onto his balcony or whatever after she leaves and he yells down to her, text me when you find your phone. Right. So you know for a fact she doesn't have her fucking phone and she has no way to contact anybody if she gets to her house and can't get in. She has no way to contact anybody if she fucking forgets where she lives. She has no way to contact anybody if something happens to her. Well, and what happens after that that he said? He also says he's not sure, but he thinks he may have seen another individual in the shadows intercept Lauren on the corner of 11th and college, and then he loses sight of her around the corner. And what does he do after that? I mean, I don't know. It's like, did he just, okay, well, hopefully she got home safe. I'm going to go to bed. Nothing I can do now. Bye. Right. And again, I'm not saying that these people aren't high and drunk and all that kind of stuff, but like, is there not that many people And also just people passing by her saw her. Like, again, I'm not saying that these people weren't drunk or something walking around. We had so many people. Could one person have done the right thing? Right. I mean, there should be some urgency to help someone who is in that state. That's all. That would restore my faith in humanity a little bit, is if somebody had just, hey, girl, you need to get home. Exactly. Hey, let me me walk you, you know? Let me me just walk you. It's right the fuck over there. I'll walk you. Mm -hmm. Several hours later, Jesse texted Lauren on her cell phone. An employee at Kilroy's, where Lauren had left her phone, responded. Unable to find Lauren or get in contact with her, he reported her missing to the Bloomington Police Department. Hmm. You know, his ass would have walked her to her apartment. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure... God bless him. I mean, I hate to think of if he beats himself up over that, you know? Mm -hmm. Based on posts that Lauren's mom, Charlene, wrote on the official Facebook page dedicated to finding Lauren, Rob, her husband, called to tell her that her daughter was missing. Quote, initially, you feel physically sick. Your heart races. Your breathing all but stops. You feel as if you cannot stand. The heat rises and your head pounds. You're speechless. You are incredulous. After the initial shock, the adrenaline takes over. You call the police department. You call the airlines. And you wait. Each passing moment agony. You desperately want someone to call you to tell you Lauren is okay. You miss an incoming blocked call. Your heart sinks. You think you've missed the one call that can lead you to the discovery of your daughter. Mm, That is so sad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so sad. And she talks about, like, in one... um, kind of like press conference or whatever that she did. Like, she's like, every single morning I wake up feeling that I failed because I didn't do enough the day before. And every night I go to sleep feeling like I failed because I didn't do enough that day. I didn't bring her home. I didn't find her. Like, Mm. I can't imagine that heartache. No, No, I cannot either. The constant, the constant hole in your heart, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Charlene said that within the first hours of finding out her daughter was missing, she called every hospital in and around Bloomington looking for Lauren or any Jane Doe who matched her description, but nobody had seen her. Charlene had been out of town visiting her family, and Charlene's father drove her to the airport so she could take the next flight to Bloomington. Rob, who had been home in New York, met her at the Indianapolis airport on June 5th. 
The couple drove to the Bloomington Police Department, hoping they'd already closed the investigation that Lauren had been found, but unfortunately, she was still missing. After meeting with police, Charlene and Rob created the first missing post for Lauren. Charlene began hanging posters while Rob searched the area that Lauren had last been seen. A massive ground search commenced with hundreds of volunteers searching for any sign of Lauren. And on June 7th, police executed a search warrant on Lauren's apartment building. On June 8th, divers searched nearby Lake Monroe, just a few miles southeast of Bloomington. In addition to the $100,000 reward that the Spears were offering for information leading to Lauren, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts offered $10,000. On June 15th, police announced that they had 10 persons of interest, but they were not named. They also released a surveillance video still of a white truck that had been seen in the area that Lauren was reportedly last seen. They also released a photo of Lauren taken from surveillance footage that showed her leaving her apartment that night. And on June 25th, the last large-scale organized search for Lauren took place in Bloomington, but she was not located, unfortunately. Mm. On June 6th, no. On August 16th, police searched through about 4,000 tons of garbage at the Sycamore Ridge landfill, the landfill where it was where the trash from Bloomington would have been taken. A few months following Lauren's disappearance on August 17th, Charlene and Rob left Bloomington to return to New York for their other daughter's birthday. Before they left, they had to pack up Lauren's belongings, and Charlene recalled that her daughter's belongings fit into 19 boxes. They shipped the boxes back home to New York, and they felt and they were not any closer to finding their daughter than they had been when they'd first arrived, and that was after three months of being in Bloomington. Mm Mm-hmm. On September 15th, Kilroy's Sports Bar was cited for serving alcohol to Lauren, who used a fake ID on the night she disappeared. On December 20th, Charlene and Rob made a public statement saying that they didn't believe Lauren was still alive. It seemed that Lauren's case had quickly hit a dead end, and despite the significant amount of tips coming in, they still couldn't find her. By May of 2013, investigators had gotten 3,060 tips on Lauren's disappearance. While Jesse, Corey, and Jay were all reportedly cooperating with police, they refused to take lie detector tests. Perfect. Yeah. So they're not exactly cooperating. Now, I don't know (sighs) lie detector tests. You know what I mean? I know. They shouldn't. I mean, still. It's just for her family. That's got to be. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those things that people use to be like, see, they've got something to hide. But... um, Yeah. I mean, you want, as a family member, I would guess you would want anybody to do as much as they can to just let's get closer to finding her. But Mm -hmm. on June 27th, 2013, Charlene and Rob filed a civil lawsuit against Corey, Jay, and Michael, stating that the three men were negligent on the night that Lauren disappeared. They said that both Corey, Corey and Jay provided Lauren with alcohol who was underage and significantly already intoxicated. In December of the same year, a federal judge dismissed the suit against Michael. In October of 2014, the cases against Corey and Jay were also dismissed. The Spears hoped that in pursuing the lawsuits, the court would compel both Corey and Jay to disclose more information about the morning that Lauren disappeared. And they also hoped that the statements that the men gave to police after Lauren's disappearance would be revealed to them. Lauren's parents had not been told when information was in the statements that police received from them. On April 24th, 2015, another Indiana University student, 22-year-old Hannah Wilson, disappeared. She had spent the night partying with friends when the group headed to Kilroy's. That's the same bar that Lauren had been at the night that she disappeared. 
While standing outside the bar, two of Hannah's male friends believed she was too intoxicated to go into the bar. They put her in a cab to head home, and the cab driver was the last person to see her alive, other than the person who killed her. The cab driver watched Hannah walk towards her house. Hannah's roommates found her belongings sitting on her bed and the door open the next morning. Later that day, Hannah's body was found on a rural road. She had been bludgeoned to death, and a man who had no known connection to Hannah was arrested and found guilty of her murder. There were no links found between the man charged in Hannah's murder and Lauren. Hannah's case brought Lauren's case back to the limelight, reminding people that Lauren is still missing. In January of 2016, two properties were searched by investigators in Martinsville, about 20 minutes away from Bloomington. The two properties belonged to Justin Wager and his family, and a tip called into police said that Wager might have knowledge of Lauren's disappearance. He had a history of indecent exposure and stalking. No evidence was found linking Wager to Lauren, and despite the tips that were still being called into investigators, the search for Lauren seemed to be standing still. It really seemed like they did not have any progress since the day that she had disappeared. Okay, so let's talk about some theories. I don't want to. Okay, well. All right, we're done. Cool, cool. Bitch. I'm sorry, just kidding. Shut it. While the possibility that Lauren truly did leave Jay's apartment that night alive and well, albeit extremely intoxicated, hasn't been ruled out, many people believe that it's very unlikely that Lauren was the victim of a stranger abduction. Most theories center around the three men that Lauren was last with before she disappeared. That's Jay Rosenbaum, Michael Beth, and Corey Rossman. It's reported that the three men have taken private polygraphs as well as FBI-administered polygraphs. All of the men involved have said multiple times that they don't trust the Bloomington Police Department. In addition to denying having anything to do with Lauren's disappearance, the men seem to place the blame on Lauren. Nope, 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 no, no, no. Yeah. I can't, I cannot, this is not, I'm going to. I'm going to throw my own self out of the window. Yeah. Like, is it is it a good idea to drink that much, do drugs, and party hop? No, it's not. But Does that mean that you should be um, abducted and go missing? Right. And look, if you know something, then fucking tell somebody. Right. But you're going to put the blame on her. Again, I know it's not other people's responsibility to make sure that that somebody else gets home safely. But like if somebody is leaving here and it's already dark, like we had a babysitter when we went to the Sum 41 concert but didn't see Sum 41 because they came on too late um, because of bedtime. It was 10 o'clock maybe at night when she was walking to her car. I didn't turn any of the lights off. I didn't close any of the door. Like I waited until she was in her car and pulling away before I turned everything off. Like, I made sure that she got to her car okay. Well, and guess what? Just fucking common courtesy. Corey was the one who was like, no, no thanks. Please don't help me. I've got her. Yeah. He has accepted responsibility to help her at that point because he told everybody. Exactly. I'm doing it. I got it. And then he barfs. Yeah. He can't hang anymore. He can't puke and rally. So he's going to bed. But Michael lets her leave. Walk to Jay's by herself. I don't know because they called him like neighbors. So I don't know if this is in the same building. And he's like, she'll make it to Jay's. I, I don't know. But Jay, call mm-hmm. me when you find your phone. And then saw possibly a person in the shadows 
intercept her. That, okay, that just doesn't make any fucking sense because if you're looking down and you see her walking away and you're like, I think somebody just fucking intercepted her. Well, I'll go to bed. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That feels very deflecting. Mm. Like, oh, and you know what? Somebody might have actually taken her. I, I, I saw somebody hanging around in the shadows. So you should go find that guy. Right. Instead of don't look at me anymore. I'm the right. last person to see her. I yeah. told her to walk by herself barefoot. At 4.30 a.m. Uh-huh. With no phone. Right. No keys. No nothing. Where she the fuck is she going to find point. her phone, dude? Not going to happen, bruh. Right. Exactly. Like, <sighs> it just doesn't make any sense. And they're like, well, she had it coming. Yeah. Jay told police Lauren was drinking heavily and snorting cocaine and crushed up clonopin at his apartment that night. Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse, and his parents have told police and reporters that Lauren had used drugs frequently in the past. Jesse's mother, Nadine, said that Lauren was asked to leave the summer camp that she'd attended with Jesse and Jay due to drug use. Though police stated that Jesse was not with Lauren the night she disappeared, there is still much speculation about him. Nadine has continued to defend her son. She said that he's devastated because, quote, he lost the love of his life and, quote, he's in therapy now. Nadine continued to emphasize how she thought Lauren had a significant drug problem. Again, even so. Yeah. We don't let people in that condition walk around at 4.30 in the morning by themselves with no fucking shoes on. Right. And I don't really enjoy the way that it it feels like the drug use has been brought up. Like, I do think that whether it's true or not, okay, I'm not saying that it's not true and I'm not saying that it is true. I don't know. Um, I think that it seems to me that she had been partaking in drugs that night while drinking. Mm -hmm. If you're using her possible drug use or drug problem as a defense against, you know, like if somebody's like, I, I, I kind of think that Jesse had something to do with it. And like, well, she's a, she's a very big drug abuser. That's not okay. Like to use it as a weapon, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to, yeah. to victim blame in that way. Yeah. Now, whether or not she, she was or wasn't or did or did not have a problem, that doesn't, it doesn't give somebody the right to, to, to blame her as a victim. Like right. no matter what you do in your life, if you use drugs, if you, um, if you get hammered ass drunk, if you wear a miniskirt, whatever, yeah. doesn't, doesn't mean that you should go missing. That's the no. whole point. And nobody wants to OD. <laughs> no. Like people aren't like, I'm going to do a little bit more because I'm hoping this will be the time it fucking kills me. No. Right. They've become tolerant. It's just mm-hmm. like, they have this view of it that like it this much doesn't do anything to my body anymore because I want it to feel like the first time I've ever done it. Yeah. And, and if it is a problem, you know, if she's, if she's got a history of abusing drugs, then she needs help. But yeah, to use it as a weapon is not okay. And again, regardless of whether or not she was on drugs or whatever, it feels more like to me. And like Jesse's mom says, like Jesse would always, that Lauren would abuse drugs to the point where she would black out and Jesse would threaten to call and tell her parents. And he says that she told him, if you do, I'll break up with you. And so she says the one night she went out without him and did what she did, unfortunately cost her her life because he didn't go out with her this time. He wasn't there to take care of her. This poor little girl is not with us today because of her drug abuse. If that is the truth, then somebody knows it. Mm -hmm. Somebody that was with her knows it. 
Or she would have passed out in the street and somebody would have found her. Right. The fact that we have no body, no eyes on her, no nothing. I don't know if we can only blame the drugs. No. I mean, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah, because if she did OD and somebody hid her body because they didn't want to get in trouble, that's still a crime. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I, I mean, maybe we need better processes to report a death like that. Because right. probably if they if this did happen, if she OD'd and they hid it because they didn't want to get arrested themselves for using drugs or whatever, like m- maybe we need a better way to report deaths like this so that people don't feel like they need to, you know, yeah, and I'm they, not excusing so it. Like, no, but so they feel safe to come forward and report it if that's what happened. Yeah, here. so that families get closure and like all the things. But if she OD'd somewhere, she OD'd with somebody. She wasn't by herself. Right. Because we would have found her body. Now, I think they need to go look at, and I, I just think this is something that should happen in every town at this point. And we need to have somebody just go through all abandoned buildings. Mm, all buildings mm-hmm. no longer in use. Like after Doc Jams and we did Worst Roommate Ever, yeah. when he tried to... Yusuf? Yeah. Tried to get rid of her body in an abandoned building. Mm-hmm. And she said, if I hadn't gotten out of there, nobody ever would have found me. Yeah. Like we need to go through abandoned buildings because I wonder how many bodies are in there. And I know that sounds like horrific, but I feel like that's a thing. Well, and unfortunately, I mean, <sighs> I don't know how I want to say this. It's really sad that in this world that we live in still to this day, there are people who are looked at like they don't matter mm-hmm. and they may never be found because nobody's looking for them or looking in these places, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes sense to me. I mean, even if, let's say it's a, because it, we're talking specifically about drug use, if somebody goes into an abandoned building to do whatever they're doing with drugs and then OD, they're never going to be found. Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. let's let's have eyes on those places. Yeah, even if nobody, yeah, even if nobody's hiding them there, exactly. Right. Yeah. There's also reports that Jesse only spent two days assisting in the search for Lauren before he went back home to New York. I don't put a ton of, it doesn't look great, but he's a sophomore in college. He doesn't have his own money. He probably isn't working, like... Does that make him guilty? No. No, I, I don't. It's just, he probably can't afford to stay in Bloomington right. full time. Like, I don't know. And you know what? Maybe it was too hard for him. I mean, I, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's the case, but maybe it was. Maybe mm-hmm. he wanted to go home and be with family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can definitely look at, you know. Look at it a couple different ways. Yeah, look I at mean, it both like, ways. Yeah. yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So on September 2nd, 2010, this is about nine months before Lauren disappeared, she had been arrested on charges of public intoxication and illegal consumption. And when police searched her apartment after her disappearance, they did find a small amount of cocaine in her room. So one of the possible overdose theories is... Kind of what we talked about, right? Yeah. And Lauren actually had a heart condition called long QT syndrome. This syndrome can lead to your heart going into a fast, dangerous rhythm, which can ultimately lead to fainting, seizures, or sudden death. So Lauren actually had to quit sports in high school because of this. And the combination of drugs and alcohol, including a stimulant, could have possibly led to Lauren's unintentional death while in the presence of one of these men. And it's possible that they could have panicked and hit her body. I feel like if that happened, it happened while she was with one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. The one that makes the most sense would be Jay because Jay confirms that he saw her after Corey saw her, after Michael saw her. Mm -hmm. Jay would be the person that she would have been last with. Right. So, because I feel like if it was all three of them, I mean, it's that, you know, three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. One of them is going to fucking say something. Right. I don't know. I just don't feel like all three of them were together and then were able to not say anything for this long. Right. However, others, including a PI hired by the Spears, don't think that an accidental overdose would have been enough of a motive to conceal the body. Indiana University and Bloomington were rampant with drug abusers and overdoses were not an uncommon occurrence. The PI said every kid's buying pot, cocaine, drinking pills. I mean, it's all over the place. So that can't really be the motive behind it. Hard disagree, sir. Yeah, I was going to say. Hard disagree. If you get arrested for using some of the drugs that they're using, I mean, that could really fuck up your record and fuck up your future. Like, no, I I think that that's 100% can be a motive. These kids don't want to get arrested for using drugs. Yeah, and I do think that it is incredibly irresponsible to completely dismiss that mm-hmm. theory. Yeah, and like, you know, could she have encountered a serial killer? Of course sure. she could, but what is so much more likely she has she has a heart condition she's using drugs and alcohol she is to the point where she has fallen so many times i mean what if she had brain damage like mm-hmm. you know or a, or a traumatic brain injury or like head trauma like a concussion yeah at the yeah exactly like, like she could have just fucking passed out and somebody said i'm not going to jail for this i'm going to hide right. her body right i mean That is not out of the realm of possibility. Right. Despite Corey, Mike, and Jay never having been named suspects or persons of interest, they've all still reported feeling targeted by the Spearers. Corey said that the family continuously called him, demanding that he give them information about Lauren. We've done nothing wrong. If we've done something wrong, we would have been arrested already. All they're doing is hurting my career. It's inappropriate the way they're harassing people and that are also victims in this case. That is a bold statement. What is it about you that makes you being a victim? I think (laughs) you have to really, really want to see it. But while he is not the one that's actually missing, um, people are talking bad about him. I guess maybe two people are talking bad about him. And he probably, like, can't really, like, get a 
get a job that he wants. Well, or it something. probably hurts his feelings. At the very least, so that's I something. mean. Well, and feelings are important, especially when when you're Corey, you know? I mean, that's that's tough stuff. Too far, Corey. To say that you are a victim mm-hmm. in this case. In this case. Look, if you're being harassed, that's one thing. But sure, yeah. and you can well, you can say all day long, you're like, I'm a victim of harassment. Yeah, that's fine with me. Go for it. Sure. If you're going to align yourself with it being in the same boat as Lauren. Exactly. No, I don't think so. No. Um, and of course, he continues to maintain he doesn't remember anything about the night after being punched. But Rob and Charlene deny ever having spoken to Corey. Hmm. All right. Another popular theory is actually a case that we've already covered. And we mentioned this in that case because it's a it's a brief part of the case, but Israel Keys. So, you know, he's a serial killer or was. There are several points that are considered in this particular theory, including that Keys was in Indiana on the night that Lauren disappeared and was unaccounted for for at least 12 hours during the night. Now, remember, Israel Keys was known to bury kill kits around the country. So whenever he had the urge to kill, he could dig it up and have the supplies. And in December of 2007, he flew from his home in Alaska to Seattle, where he picked up his daughter and a gun from a friend. Keys, along with his daughter and girlfriend, then traveled to Indiana to visit his mother until mid-December. On December 8th through 10th, Keys rented a car and disappeared for several days. And typically when he did this, he would kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Because when he would when he would rent a car, first of all, like when he rented the car this time, he accumulated over 537 miles in the two days. God in heaven. Driving from Fort Wayne to Bloomington is 400 miles. And it's believed that he spent the remaining miles driving around Bloomington into the Hoosier National Forest. So when he did that, he would turn his phone off. He would be completely like, his daughter and girlfriend would just be like, we'll see him in a few, like he did this all the time when he traveled. Sometimes he traveled by himself. Sometimes he traveled with them, but he would always disappear. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, he killed somebody. Yep. I mean. That's not an unlikely, that's a good theory. Yeah. Three and a half years later, on June 2nd, 2011, Keyes flew into Chicago in the evening and rented a car. He was intending to go to his mother's house again in Indiana, which was just three hours away, but he didn't arrive until the following afternoon. He is reportedly unaccounted for during this time. And Lauren was also reportedly Keyes' type, small, and intoxicated enough to be easily controlled and overpowered. Supposedly, when Keyes was questioned about Lauren's disappearance, his reaction was very similar to how he'd reacted when confronted about a confirmed murder of his. But we, you know, Israel Keys is no longer with us. He's no longer giving us information. And Lauren's still missing. I mean, we don't know. And he was very good at covering his tracks. Yeah. But he did search for some of the cases that they believed he was involved in because he wanted to see the news about it. But I don't know if they found anything about Lauren on his search history. Lauren Spear is still missing. There's been very little movement in her case since she disappeared. Her parents and sister are still actively looking for her and doing everything they can to keep her case in the limelight. On the, quote, official Lauren Spear updates from her family Facebook page, Charlene often writes posts that seem to be directed at the person who is responsible for Lauren's disappearance. Here's part of a post from September 3rd, 2011, just a few months after Lauren disappeared. Quote, to whom it may concern... Let me begin by introducing myself, although I'm sure you know who I am. I'm Charlene Spearer, Lauren's mother. Perhaps we have met. You're responsible for Lauren's disappearance. You know where she is. You are guilty of a heinous crime. 
that you know, if you think for a minute her father and I are going to disappear, think again. We are just as determined today as we were day one. You should know that Lauren is precious to us. Do you think this is a game? This is no game. We are in this for the long haul. Do you think we're going to walk away without finding answers? Do you think we're going to rest until we find Lauren? We will not. You have no idea who you have taken from us. We will never give up. What are you thinking? I would really like to know. I'm waiting to hear from you. Mm. Wow. She posted again on June 6th, 2016, hinting that um, at what she believes may have happened to Lauren and her frustration with the investigation. Quote, I have always thought an accident took Lauren on June 3rd, 2011. I have always known that what followed was a crime. I'm still left with a multitude of questions which remain unanswered. As far as I'm aware, no one has been cleared, but then again, no person of interest was ever named by the Bloomington Police Department. Many leads have been submitted to law enforcement, our private investigators, various media outlets, and agencies who prefer to remain unnamed. There are various theories about what happened to Lauren and who ultimately was responsible. But the puzzle remains a vital piece. Until completed, Lauren's disappearance will remain a mystery. Why? What is it about the events of June 3rd, 2011, which continue to elude all investigating this case? What is it about Lauren that has kept it someone's mission to keep facts so deeply buried? Obviously fear of reprisal, but I cannot believe the person responsible has not confided in someone. Is it truly going to come down to someone having a crisis of conscience? How many years must we wait to have that happen? There aren't a lot of scenarios. As Rebecca has always said, the stars would have to be perfectly aligned for a random abduction to have been a serious possibility. I agree. Mm. If you have any information about the disappearance of Lauren Spearer, please contact the Bloomington Police Department at area code 812-339-4477. And just kind of because of the circumstances around this case, we wanted to share some safety tips for going out. Um, This article is called Nine Safety Tips Every Woman Should Know for a Safe Night Out. The first is stay together, you know. Don't go off by yourself. Do not decide to walk home all by your lonesome. Exactly. And it says, it may not be any fun babysitting your friends, but having at least one sober person can deter others from taking advantage of anyone in the group. Um, be aware of your surroundings. If someone is creeping you out or you're not feeling comfortable, let a friend know it's time to move on. Trust your gut. Don't give details about yourself. Guard your drinks. When you're out dancing and having a good time, you can, you know, forget about this, but keep your hand over like a beer bottle, over a can opening over the top of your drink, unless you're drinking it. I mean, I know that seems like a lot of stuff to remember, but... I've also seen, and it's terrible that we live in a world where we have to have these kinds of things available, but I have seen that a company makes, it almost looks like, um, remember those, um, they're like plastic and they have like a shower cap almost, but it's small and it's, mm-hmm. it's not plastic. It's like cloth or like satin, but it go it fits over your drink cup and it's got a little hole for your straw. So you can't, I mean, there are things that you could buy oh, to cover yeah. when you're at, when you're out. Mm-hmm. And if somebody offers to get you a drink, go to the bar with them and watch the bartender pour it for you. If somebody comes up to you with a drink that you didn't see it get made, pour it out. Get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Don't Mm -hmm. drink it. Recognize the signs of being drugged. There are, um, you know, date rape drugs like roofies and stuff like that. They can be slipped into your drink without you knowing. They're what? Colorless, odorless, like all that kind of stuff typically. You're not going to see, smell, or taste a difference in your drink, and you'll only feel the difference. So 
If you or a friend think you've been drugged, go to the hospital. If you're out alone, call someone you trust and get to the hospital. I know that's difficult to do, but again, if you're with somebody, they can recognize the signs for you because if you've been drugged, you might just pass out. I mean, you don't, you know, like you won't really know. Drink responsibly is another one. Again, it doesn't sound very fun. If you're in your 20s and you're going out partying all the time, this sounds so fucking lame. I know it does. Sure, yeah. But you guys, it's not worth your life. Like, stay hydrated. Drink a water in between every drink. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's. it seems like it would be fun to just get hammered as fuck. And I know that I used to feel that way too, but like, why? Yeah, for what? Yeah. I mean- And I do think, I mean, it's easy for all of us to be like, well, it happened to Lauren Spear, but it couldn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is that nobody is is immune to this. this, Drinking and mixing drinking and drugs lowers your inhibitions, but it also lowers your impulse like speeds, your ability to, to discern things. Like that makes you a prime suspect for somebody like, is real keys or whoever who's just hoping to take advantage of somebody who's not really in a position to protect themselves. Yeah, you're a prime target for yeah. somebody like that. So also watch what you post on social media. Don't post pictures of where you are in the moment. This was not a problem for us. We had to carry physical fucking cameras with us to the bar, <laughs> digital cameras. And you had to have your an iPod separate for music and you had to have a cell phone. Exactly. Um, so that, that wasn't an issue for us. But if you're out, don't post something and then tag where you are and post it while you're there. Wait till and the next careful. day. Yeah, be careful of Snapchat as well because a lot of people don't realize that your um, location is turned on. Automatically on. You have to mm-hmm. you have to choose for it to be off. And that can pinpoint you down to an intersection is what mm-hmm. I've read. So exactly. I would I would definitely watch out for that. Um download a personal safety app. The two recommended here are called Circle of Six. It allows you and a circle of six friends or trusted people to quickly call on when you're in danger and need help. With one touch, when one oh, with one oh, touch, my. you can ping your contacts or emergency services for help along with your current location. There's also one called Watch Over Me, so you can tell the app how long to watch over you until you reach your location. If you don't reach it, it sends an emergency alert to your chosen contacts. That's fucking I, badass. Yeah, I was gonna say I love that. Use ride sharing with caution. You know, everybody uses Uber, Lyft, whatever, when you're going out now. But they said, you know, do things like make sure that you match the plate, photo, and name of the driver with what's on your app. Share the status in the app to a friend or family member. Sit in the back seat. Keep all of your belongings with you if you're alone. Make sure that the child safety locks are not turned on. So that you, because you can't oh, yeah. get out of a back seat if that's turned on. Absolutely. If you feel uncomfortable, ask to be dropped off at a safe location or just, you know, ask for the ride to end. There is also a, like, there's some places where you cannot get pepper spray or it's not legal to carry it, which I didn't realize. We actually have, I got for Tori and actually all of our um, riders, we have personal alarms called Birdie. It's B-I-R-B-I-R-D-I-E, but we have a link. So you can go to killerqueens.link slash alarm, and then you can use our code queens15 to get 15% off. But it's a personal alarm that is incredibly loud when you activate it. So it's like, if somebody is trying to get you, you can keep it on your keychain. You can pull the tab or whatever the thing. 
it'll make this crazy noise. But there's also the birdie, um, I think it's called the birdie plus. And when you pull it, it will, it will notify emergency services. So, yes. So what I would do is I have both of them, the alarm and then the birdie plus. And I was mostly, if I was out at night, it was because I was walking my dog. So I just hooked one to my dog's leash. Mm, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can keep it on your keychain. Yeah. You can take it off, hook it to a leash or whatever. But if you're going to be walking alone, having something like that, that you can activate really, really quickly is huge. And we'll, we'll uh, link all this in the, in the show notes. So if you scroll down, you'll be able to just click right to it. But I don't know. We just felt like with this case, just sharing those safety tips, you know, if you're a person who likes to go out and have fun, like great, but there are some ways to keep it safe. And we just want to make sure that you guys are okay. Absolutely. I think that that is great information and it's really good just to be mindful of. So yes. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. Like we said, if you have any information, please contact the Bloomington Police Department and uh, let us know what you guys think, but we hope you have a great rest of the day and we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys, before we go today, you know what time it is. What's the time? Shout out time. What's the time? time? Shout out out time. time. Hell yeah. (laughs) Did I get get too excited there? A little bit, but I'm as excited and I liked it. So I was also dancing. Oh, well, same. Yeah. But we want to give a hey girl thanks to Kayla Hill Gilvin. Kennedy Frank. Sophie Tibbetts. Elise Johnson. Stephanie Anim. Chelsea McCreary. Kristen Philjaw, Philjaw, Rosie Thompson, Sophie Locke, Erin Suggs, Christy Carlson, Allison Gable, Jessica Graham, Allison Newbold, Dakota Nichols, Jacqueline Leminski, Hannah Lewis, Amy Lee Foster, Elza Doyer, Kaylee Hess, Sarah Overholt, Tori Scott, Kendra Goodman, Jensen, Caroline Ingram, Alyssa, Peyton Tovis, Bailey Worrell, Nicole, Nicole Kelly, Noriko Scheib, Chanel, Ashley P. Camo, Amanda Stock, Madison Woolard, Ariel Duncan, Kate Braneth, Morgan McKnight, Sarah Branscom, Leah Thomas, Kaylee Hoffman, Amanda Spates, and Whit. My God, thank you, you guys. Um, if you want your name butchered, make sure you join the Patreon at the $10 level or higher. Yes, we will make sure to ruin your name completely, but we will also love you in the process. We're so sorry. Yeah, we're cherishing you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.